What's up, everybody? Jeremiah here. Excited that it's Wednesday. Excited that we've got a whole new podcast for you today. Today on the podcast, we are talking about the one, the only, Paul Simon. Whenever we sit down to do these, we say, hey, what do you want to talk about today? And Aaron said, hey, why don't we talk about Paul Simon? And y'all, I don't have to be told twice. If, if Aaron wants Paul Simon, Aaron's going to get Paul Simon. So I took one for the team, and I talked about my hero, Paul Simon. And I'm sure he's going to come back up a million times on this podcast. So uh, we also talk about Middle Ditch and Schwartz, which is a comedy duo, Thomas Middle Ditch, Ben Schwartz. And they have three specials on Netflix right now called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. And we talk about how much we love those and how much uh, we love them. We actually saw them in Atlanta for our anniversary last year. And before all this stuff happened. So it was really cool to, for us to see it come out on Netflix and, in, and now our friends get to enjoy the thing that we got to enjoy in person. So, uh, And we also talk about, uh, well, we sort of talk about Zelda. So Zelda, the video game from my childhood. Mostly what we talk about is giving yourself permission to goof around, to not be pressured into being productive all the time. I say Zelda because that's one of the things that I really like to do, and I don't give myself pressure to do anything else when I'm playing Zelda. So so we technically talk about Zelda a little bit. But I also want to remind you that we have a Patreon, and every episode of the Patreon has a bonus part at the end where we talk for about 20 more minutes. Uh, sometimes it's just me, sometimes it's Aaron. And we also, if you want to subscribe to the music part of our podcast, it's the super fan tier. Uh, we have new music that goes on there, and we show you demos. We get to show you behind the curtain uh, videos early, all kinds of stuff. So if, you, if you're into that, definitely go to ojeremiahtalks.com and subscribe to our Patreon. Yes. Okay, so this episode, Paul Simon, Middle Ditch and Schwartz, Sort of Zelda. Very little Zelda talk, I promise. <laughs> okay, let's do it. I want it to be you talking on the intro. I know we're together. Yeah. Okay. 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 Oh, are you recording this? I am. Okay. What was that song you were singing earlier? My money song? Yeah. The one that I was writing? Uh, so it was, let me try to remember the lyrics. It was... Give me your dollars, give me your cents, give me your dollars so I can pay rent. Give me your money, 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 money. Yeah. Give me, give yeah. me all your money, 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 money. That was it. Yeah. It's our next single. It's called The Money Song. It's good. Thanks. I'm pretty proud of it. So how are you, my love, my darling, my angel? Good. Very good. How's your day been? Um, Really good. So we just got back from Nashville and we're back to, this is the first day of normal life. And I was so happy and joyful and jolly in Nashville because you, because I forgot there was a pandemic going on for a second. You know what I mean? And th today I've been like remembering that. How has that affected you at all since you've? No, because I feel like I was more aware of it in Nashville because it seems like they're being more careful than Athens is. Yeah, they're being, they're, I can't get over how careful they were. Yeah, I think it was good. It it was kind of a nice distraction, though. Because we would order food. We, I mean, it, all the restaurants were closed, but and the like the in indoor seating. I don't know if I wanted to say inside or indoor. I think yeah, I went with indied. But they're in dyed. <laughs> their in dyed seating was uh, was closed, so you'd have to do the like curbside thing, and which is what we do in Athens. But I think. Whenever we were in Nashville, though, we ate out for 
Every meal. Every, almost every meal except breakfast and lunch. Well. <laughs> so dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, we ate out every night for dinner and then a couple of lunches maybe. Right. But so it whenever, felt- whenever you do take out there, they would come out in a mask and gloves. And oftentimes they would put it in either your trunk or they would put it on the hood of your car and you get out and get it. Noodles was not a fan of them bringing it to the trunk. So we went, so there's like a fancy uh, alcoholic beverage that you like that we only know one place where you can get it. Oh, it's so good. And it's one of the places where you, you call them when you're here. They bring it out to you. You have to have your trunk opened. Mm -hmm. So that way that, and you show your ID through the window Mm -hmm. and so I did everything I was supposed to do, got my license out, went, opened the trunk, and me, you, and Noodles just sat waiting on this person. The person <laughs> comes up, and Noodles is like, new friend, and jumps out the back door, out of the trunk, to, <laughs> to make friends with this person yeah, in a mask. Yeah, I couldn't grab her in time. And then we basically, I could tell, have you ever, like, made such a bad impression, you can tell they don't like you immediately? That was this this was person. so clear that she didn't think we were funny at all, and she didn't think Noodles was cute, which is just, like, her number one mistake, so. Yeah, I have a hard time whenever I, whenever Noodles barks or whatever, I assume they know she's the best dog in the world, and they just don't agree yeah, with me. Yeah, I don't think people think that. That's okay, though. Not everyone thinks that. Can I tell you what the pandemic has done for me, though? It, good or bad? Prepare good. me. Okay, good. yeah. I'm, so, I'm... You know this. I'm really far behind with technology and just like as a whole, I haven't. Since I've known you, you have been almost <laughs> prehistoric technologically. As a whole, I like haven't really adapted to tech very well. Right. At all. Right. And so if there's an option for calling someone or doing something in person, I would much rather do that route. Like I even uh, like... Have I ordered from a magazine recently? Like, that's how much, like, I call the person and talk to them about my order instead of just doing it online. Yeah, you're, you're like the one demographic that benefits from Sky Mall magazines. Like, yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> all yeah. the things you could get online, you could just, I could you just could, talk to someone about it. Yeah, but so Sky I'm, Mall, you see it and you're like, this is hip. <laughs> okay, quit it. No, it's not like that. Like, I mean, the jitterbug didn't seem like a joke to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, that makes sense. Did you just say the word jitterbug to me? Yeah. Okay. We've talked about this before, and you didn't know it was an actual thing. Yeah. But it does exist. It's a giant flip phone. Marketed to old people, but I'll take it. I'll take one. Okay. I thought you were starting a completely different conversation than the one you were starting. Okay, wait, wait, hold on. So let me tell you what the pandemic has brought me, though, is that my confidence in ordering online has gone up. A good 50%. Yeah, that's just because we're ordering ma- way more stuff online. It, it, well, yes, exactly. Practice makes perfect, and we be shopping. Exactly. I'm practicing a lot, and I am I feel pretty confident with it. I memorized my debit card number, and I've just gotten really good at I feel like I've gotten a, like I had to do a technical thing for the co-working space today. And were you even impressed at how quickly I managed to get it up and running? No, because you were... T- <gasps> You, I, I'm sorry, I just wasn't because you because <gasps> you were texting me along the whole Jeremiah, way and, and I had to test everything. I just asked you to test it. I know, but it was still very very annoying to me. Jeremiah, but I've gotten better. You have gotten better. Oh my gosh! But starting from zero, like one is way better. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember. Okay, well, I was trying to. I, I like shed positivity. I like that you think knowing the numbers to your debit card is something to brag about. I remember growing up, my mom knew the numbers to every credit card she had. Four, three. No, would you? What are you? 
What are you doing? What is are you... that not allowed? No, that's not allowed. It's okay. But I don't. I like. I could never memorize the number to my debit card. Or I know. One time. Uh, one time I was. So this is a long story. I was trying to. This doesn't even have anything to do with what you were talking about. But somebody was letting me put a passcode in to an alarm system. <laughs> and he was like setting it up so where I could get into the building with alarms. He was giving my own personal code. And he said, just put, just use your social. Use the last four digits of your social. I even know what that is. And I didn't. <laughs> so Babe. I, I guessed and I said like five, seven, one, nine, which okay. is like not even close yeah, to what mine is. It. And then I had to remember forever for the rest of my time getting into that building what my fake social was. Oh my gosh, babe. Yeah. Why didn't you just say, "Hey, can I give you the last four of my of my phone number?" It instead? was too, it was too late. It was all very. Were it all happened nervous? so fast. Yeah. Okay. Let's so move fast. on from that, though. Okay. Let's move in. Okay. Let's move on from it. Noodles is very loud presence right now. Oh my gosh, she just got her ball and then picked it up and walked over to the mirror and looked at herself. Do you think it's annoying when we talk about our dog on the podcast? I'm just gonna need to. Pee- ha- Listen. Did you just have a seizure? Yeah, I just need people to get over it because it's hard to ignore her right now. Yeah, she's been. She's she been... threw up earlier, so I am watching her a lot. Yeah, that is. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't mention noodles or vomiting on the podcast. Maybe that should be a general. Rule. I mean, you think that should be a rule that we have? No, because the good vomit story. Anyways. Yeah, it's let... about to storm in Athens. I um... think we should get. I think we should. Get into it. Yes. Do you want to? Okay. So you yes. are doing me the kindness today. You are letting the conversation start with Paul Simon. I know, but I I like Paul Simon a lot too. Okay. Well, let's talk about Paul Simon. Yeah. Paul Simon is your hero. Paul Simon is my hero, and <laughs> I I remember the first time I heard Paul Simon, and I remember. Like just be, just feeling different after hearing. So my my dad had had an old record player, and he and I still own the record. He had Bridge Over Troubled Water, and he listened to it, and he was like, "Just so you know, this is probably the best band that ever existed." And my dad wasn't even like a big Paul Simon or Simon and Garfunkel fan. Oh, it was Simon and Garfunkel. Or it was Simon and Garfunkel. Okay, got it. But the song that just like blew me away was Cecilia, and to this day, that song brings me back to like th- that time yeah whenever I just like the stomping and clapping just the the harmonies were so intoxicating to me is that song about a prostitute, a prostitute? yeah and you, I didn't even know can I tell a funny story really quick sure don't think they're listening we got hired to play a wedding one time and the groom was like uh la- like we asked for the song request to be like a month in advance like give you know last minute for us is like a month out like that should be your cutoff date for submitting new songs but like a week before the wedding he emailed me he's like hey Aaron I'm so sorry to do this like I know you guys are like Paul Simon fans is there any chance that y'all can like add Cecilia to your list and then also can you like dedicate that to my sister like that would just mean the world to her and I was like (laughs) I got so much enjoyment out of singing to this dude's sister about a prostitute like I enjoyed that so much and obviously I don't think they knew but it was just so funny that he was so like in it was so endearing to him. Yeah. And we were just like, yeah, of course we already kind of knew the song, so I said yes and whenever we sang it, I can still imagine singing it to yeah. her. And just smiling big and getting super into it and her yep. being like, this is my song. Yeah, yeah, she was like, oh, like she like teared up and was like, oh my gosh, thank you, Joshua. Oh, Joshua. I don't know what his name is. Yeah, I 
Paul Simon had a huge impact on me, but it went dormant whenever I like discovered Blink-182 and I like got big into Green Day and stuff. So like Paul Simon, like in Simon and Garfunkel, that was like one of the first records I ever was like, oh, music is powerful. Yeah. And then high school happened and I got Converse All-Stars and Hurley T-shirts and I just kind of forgot about it. But you really fell in love with him kind of whenever I knew you. It yeah. was like in You between... saw me falling head over heels for him in real time. Yeah, because the Graceland album, album, when did you first start listening to that? Right around when you and I met. Yes, and then the documentary came out. And yeah. that kind of that kind of opened my eyes to... I think that's whenever you were like, oh my gosh, I totally get his it. His musical skill, yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever had a... No, a lot of people have a problem with his voice. Is that right? I no. So, uh, oh, whoops. No, no. I I I I know what you're talking about. I thought that was the thing, though. No, no. That's what, it's not that they have a problem with Paul Simon's voice. It's just in Simon and Garfunkel, he was the writer. Garfunkel was the voice. So okay, okay. people looked at Garfunkel like he was the singer. And I remember, I I watch Friends because like I really loved the show Friends growing up. And there's this one moment where Phoebe is doing this thing with one of the characters and is like, say the first thing that comes to your mind. And she's like, uh, red or blue? And yeah, they say she's blue. trying to get him to make a decision. Yes, and she's trying to make a quick decision like from the gut. Right. And one of the things was Simon or Garfunkel, and he said Garfunkel. And I'm watching it, and I say, who would say Garfunkel? And it's because but then, like, he everywhere. was the voice. So, okay, question. Go ahead. Is that... Well, do you think people view us that way? I think so. And that is I why hope you so. kind of relate to him? I think that's a bit... Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because I've never once heard Paul Simon sing in a way that blew me away. But I mean, he's still a great singer. I, and also, yeah. I want to clarify, I wasn't saying that I don't think he's a good singer. I totally do. I just know... I was wondering if there's like an assumption of it because whenever... I think a lot of people immediately think Bridge Over Troubled Water, and that was a Garfunkel like ballad, right? Right. Yeah. And it, Paul Simon has gone on the record to be like, I should have sang that song because I wrote that song, and I it was a mistake for me not to sing that song. So well, now live, whenever he sings it, it like feels different, but it still feels the he same. He performs it still. Mm-hmm. He performed well, on SNL. But like, I mean, like that's the thing that that's what comes with having a working partner, like. Because did they amicably split? split or they, had, did... they definitely had a rocky road. Uh, okay. Garfunkel has gone on to say that like Simon was hard to work with. Simon said the same about him. Um, when you watch interviews of Paul Simon, it it's almost like it, there's like a weird aspect to his relationship with Garfunkel that like is unsaid, but it's like very obvious that something was weird. Right. Because they broke up a couple of times because I think it was Garfunkel – wanted to have wanted to write the songs mm-hmm. and Paul Simon was like I don't even think I need Garfunkel and it turned out he didn't because he oh. had a he had a way more successful career as a solo artist That kind of sucks though. And I mean here's the thing, I think in any artist duo relationship, I mean ours is different because we're married, but it's going to be hard to work with someone no matter what in such an intimate like especially like making music together. But like I I mean I of course of course I've like never met Paul Simon, but Based off of interviews that I've seen and heard, I hate to make this assumption, but part of me does feel like he 
I'm not surprised whenever I hear like he was hard to work with. Oh, 100%. He's one of the many heroes I know of that if he was in a room, I wouldn't enter the room. Just because the second I learned that that Paul Simon isn't exactly what I want him to be, it's I'm just going to like crumble. Yeah. But he, I mean, he did an, a podcast with Alec Baldwin and it was like excruciating to me. But there was, yes, that's, that's an interview I'm actually thinking of. But there, what is the, um, shoot. Sorry, go ahead. I'm, I'll think of it. The, uh, the I mean, that kind of goes with me of, do you, can you separate the artist from their craft? Right. Because I don't need Paul Simon to be the friendliest guy on earth. He wrote me and Julio down by the schoolyard. Right. Like that's like, I don't need you to be like a saint amongst men. I need you to write good songs. Well, I think his songs are everything they should be. And he can go live. Totally. And it's like, we're not owed a best friend in our musical hero. Yeah. You know, I think, and, and I think that's a stance he takes. Totally. And I, so another perspective that I got that was really helpful. I read that book. I think at the beginning of the year, I read this book miles and me and it was, it wasn't the original like biography you're thinking of, of miles Davis, but it was like a side story to that. And written it was by the same guy, I think written by the same guy. And it was kind of a more behind the scenes of like, their relationship and how he viewed him with other people. Right. Cause Miles Davis had such a reputation for being a jerk to fans. Yeah. But whenever he explained it in that book, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get it though, because if I was at his level and people always expected me to be a, like super friendly to them in public, I would be super turned off by that and I wouldn't be able to handle it. Yeah. And so I kind of, I mean, I'm not dismissing all of his behavior. I'm just saying, like, I can I can see some snobbery coming across as, like, or come being necessary at that level. Well, so Paul Simon, also, he's been around forever. Yeah. So he was a, around in a time where you could legitimately get a publisher and just get paid to write songs all day long. Yeah. He was in, like the Bob Dylan era of just like writing acoustic songs. And that was all you did. Yeah. And to see it go from like, when you watch the the Graceland documentary, he recorded that album in like four huge studios across the world. Like that's how much money they put behind that. Yeah, totally. And to go from being like bigger, like that album was like the album of the eighties to go from that to this social media world where like everyone is a producer and like, it just was a different world when he was coming up. And I think I would be arrogant too. If this dude in his bedroom is like writing songs and like doing them in logic or whatever and comparing them to Graceland, you know, like he's seen and done so much. Yeah. It, like I, I don't see how you couldn't be at least a little, a little egotistical after that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I, I think I get that too. Well, it reminds me of the story. There's a, there's a venue that, uh, that we play, and a new alt country guy. I, I won't say his name because I don't want to like, just like, you know, gossip. Mm-hmm. But he was like coming up, and it was in load in, and he was talking to the venue owner about, um, that whenever he came in to load in, he was looking for all the exits because he did not want to have to talk to anybody. And the venue owner was like, that's kind of dude, like these people are here to see you. And he goes, if one more grown man hugs me and tells me I'm saving country music, Mm -hmm. I'm going to quit. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, like people think that they have ownership over that dude. Yes. Because he's writing music that they really like. And they're like, oh, you're doing the thing I want you to do. Don't change. Yeah. And Paul Simon, like doing Simon and Garfunkel, like people take ownership of that. Like when I hear you can call me out, I think mm. I think I'm Al, you know? Yeah. And even just from an introvert's perspective and at the small, very small level that we are at, I get tapped out of talking to people. Of course. And I can't handle it. Of like course. I just like I I have nothing good to offer you after a show. And even there are certain people that come up to a show. It's a very specific type of person that comes up to us after a show. And I find myself being like, this is about to be one of those people that's going to try to ruin my night. Yeah. And oftentimes they do. And if I could find a way to erase that person from the end of a show, I yeah. would have. A, and Paul Simon is just like, I, there's too many Paul Simon fans. I have to erase all of them. It just happens. Yeah. yeah. And also, we're just totally speculating. For based on some weird interviews we've seen, but yeah, of course. I also think Paul Simon is a musician for musicians. In that, if you listen to his interviews, he talks so much about like the mechanics of music, like his album "Stranger to Stranger," which is like his newest studio album. He talks a lot about like microtone, like microtonal music, like semitones between notes, mm -hmm. and now he like wanted to work with chromaticism and stuff. And like, there are no artists that are about to be like, do you want to talk an hour about chromaticism? <laughs> like it just doesn't happen. What's your favorite song off of Graceland? Oh my gosh. My favorite song of Graceland would be the boy in the bubble. Mm -hmm. But I, to me, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's, and that's the other thing. He was, that's how we, that's one of the few albums that you and I listen to from start to finish every single time. And, when we start it, we don't change it until it's over. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah. what I just said. It's a 50 minute <laughs> song to yeah. me. Yeah. But I really love uh, The Myth of Fingerprints, which is the last song on the record. I and mean, I don't even know the titles. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you're right. Because it all is just like a unit. Graceland. It's um, just a collection. But yeah. also, I think Graceland as a song is one of my favorite songs of all time. Yep. So I agree with that. Yeah. And I think I've talked about You Can Call Me Al before. In that, I think one of my favorite lyrics of all time is the third verse of that album whenever it says, um, a man walks down the street. It's a street in a strange world. Maybe it's the third world. Maybe it's his first time around. And I just, whenever, every time it gets that part, I get choked up. I just think that's such a perfect stanza yeah, of lyrics. It's very like, yeah. That's he's, he's really good at taking, taking a first verse and every other verse zooming out. And making you feel like, oh, wow, that's what this song's about. Yeah, it's very poetic. Yeah. That's a cool lyric. That's a super cool lyric. Hmm. And we we talked about um, Hamilton. And you loved Hamilton. And I loved Hamilton. But for me, I need to be watching Hamilton. Because the music doesn't resonate with me on its own as much as it does for you. Yeah. And I mentioned to you, one of the reasons is because there's a Paul Simon quote that always sticks out to me, especially like when I listen to the radio now, there's an interview in the songwriters on songwriting book that Paul Simon talks about how he sees the future of music melody going out the window and it all being like rhythm based. And this was like 91 when he said that. Mm -hmm. And when you listen to the radio now, it's very true. Like that, that switch did happen. And when I listen to Hamilton or whenever I listen to pop radio or whatever, I was like, I always think about Paul Simon and how, he saw it coming like way ahead of his time and it affected his music too because his new music is way more spoken than it is sung. Yeah, I I understand that. Um it doesn't ring true for me though. 
Because I think of artists like that chick we were watching last last night. Oh, Yeba. Yeba. Like, Yeba. That, you know, like, and she's like new and doing super well. And also, really quick recap on Taylor Swift. I've been listening to her folk- folklore more and I can't stop listening to Exile. I just love it. Oh, Justin Vernon. Where did, where did so, you come from? I'm just like falling in love with it as I continue to re-listen to it. Yeah. I like the way he says body in that song. He says, mm-hmm. yo, yo, body. I just think that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I love it. Yeah, the rhythm along with the melody of that. It's just definitely so a good. grower album for sure. Because I still like, I still find myself being drawn into it even though like i'm not having a, the best time when i'm in it but i just mm-hmm. feel like there's something in it that i'm like i need more of this and i don't know why it just hits so right for it me hits today. it hits right there yeah but paul, um so i paul don't Simon, super agree with paul 91 that and that's and that part of that could be because like like hip-hop was becoming mainstream at that point mm-hmm. and to go from no mainstream hip-hop to where we are now like of course sure. there's more of it now in comparison sure the I think the thing that's hard for me too with that argument is that like, why is that argument even exist? Because rhythm is one of the elements of music. So, right, and he's so, not—he's not saying it's an addition of rhythm. He's saying it's a subtraction of melody. And I think rhythm is just as important as melody. So if a rap song has more rhythm than it has melody i think that's okay yeah because it can because vice versa like because i think they both play an equal amount of importance in a song and so if i ever stripped away if i ever said oh i think we're just like losing rhythm and we're only having melody like that like i wouldn't super believe that either because i'm like no like one is just more than the other or rhythm it's almost like the ratio doesn't even matter because it's even um someone like teaching rest to kids is in music is hard because you're like okay you're still counting this but it's silent (laughs) so it's like you're technically not playing during this rest whatever right but it's still rhythm and it's still part of the melody in my mind and someone said um you oh man you're you're playing uh the silence like you're still you're still a part of that silence right and so i think rhythm and melody kind of go hand in hand in that way is that whenever you have a whole note you're still you can still be just as rhythmic as having a measure of just 16th notes right no for sure because you have pulse and that's another yeah element of course yeah. and i and i i i think there's truth to what he's saying and i also i also think there's more truth to what you're saying because like I just think music evolves and it changes and we're in a season where there's like more rhythm based hits or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, melody will never go away. Like cuz when we you're right, when we were watching that Yabba video yesterday, I was like, "Oh my gosh, like there's still so much left to do in music." Mm-hmm. Like cuz you know, we all think that like all the songs have been sung, all the singers, all the great singers were passed. Yeah. And you're like, "Oh no, no, we're just getting started." Even a in the studio last week, whenever we were recording drums and like they were tuning the toms, I was like, "Oh, there's even pitch in here." Yeah, you know, it's true. Like you can tune like an like a bass drum, and uh-huh. it'd be a cool thing. And there's still timbre involved, and yeah. So yeah, that's my um, goodbye forever. 
I what? feel like I just like talked a lot about my musical prefer whatever. That's okay. No, that's okay. I would say if you want to get into Paul Simon, a really good starting place would be Bridge Over Trouble Water because he wrote those songs. Mm-hmm. And Cecilia. Cecilia's a great one. I mean, the song Bridge Over Trouble Water is absolutely beautiful. Mrs. Robinson? Mrs. Robinson. That's a classic. Yep. So That uh, defined The Graduate. Yeah, and that's a really interesting story. I was I went to school for music business, and we did a section on music and film, mm-hmm. and that movie was the subject of one of the chapters yeah. because the film re- – and I'm going to butcher the this, like the specifics of this, but this is the gist. They released The Graduate. It flopped, and then they pulled it redid it with a new soundtrack, which is basically just Simon and Garfunkel. And then The Graduate became a huge hit. Yeah. And a lot of that was... And we watched it in the studio on our first record, and they play Mrs. Robinson like 10 times in that movie. What's it called whenever a song is so prominent in a movie? Featured, maybe? I don't know. No, I mean, I don't think there's a term for it. Maybe there's a term for it. I don't know it. But it's just like a long placement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a good one. Also, Paul Simon, one of my favorite things in a Paul Simon song, and I've wanted to, like, I just, I think about this as a writer a lot. I have a problem when songwriters use the F word. Like, I always hate, because I, like, you can't sing it in public. You can't play it on the radio. Like, surely there was another word you could have said. Mm-hmm. Like, I always struggle with that. I've struggled with that since I was in, ki- well, not whenever I was in Blink-22. Since you learned the F word. Yeah, half their lyrics are the F word. But um, whenever I started caring about lyrics, I just thought, it's so stupid to use that word when you could use another word. Um, but in Stranger to Stranger, he has a song called Cool Papa Bell, in which the verse two, he he says that word in referring to someone, and then he spins the verse saying, actually, that's a really dirty word. Did I mean that word? Because that word typically means this. Actually, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. And he bookends it with saying the word and then saying it again. But it has so much more weight because he's like, I promise I meant to say this word. And you appreciate that. As a writer, yeah, that is like next level writing. So uh, I would say my biggest recommendations on Paul Simon, and this is not the last time we talk about Graceland from start to finish. Graceland from start to finish (laughs) is... Uh, no one would argue it's not one of the greatest albums of all time. We're not, yeah, for it. Do it. We are not uh, reinventing the wheel on Graceland. It is inarguably one of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah. But outside of Graceland, from start to finish, I would say the Fuzzy Hood album. His, I think that was his debut um, solo record. But that's the one that's got me and Julio on it. And then Bridge Over Troubled Water is amazing. But some deeper cuts, I would say, uh, Father and Daughter from his surprise album. It was featured in the Wild Thornberries movie, if you were a Nick Kid. Okay. It's a great song. And then The Afterlife from Dazzling Blue, which is a really amazing song too. There's okay. so, there's so many. Um, okay. Dig thank in. you. Thank you for letting me just spend out. 20 minutes talking about my hero. You're I really welcome. appreciate that. I, I hope him. Can we uh, can we talk you about do him? one of my heroes next week? No, I was going to do my hero again. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about Middle Ditch and Sports? Yeah. You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Hey, that's a pretty good idea. Oh, sorry. Middle Ditch and Swartz. Yeah. I feel like I feel like you're gonna have a lot to say on this one. It was 2018. Was and it 2018 I, we saw them? Oh, was it 2019? Shoot. It feels forever ago. No, no, because it was in January, so it could have been 20. No, it was January of last year. That's what I'm saying. So it could have been 2018. It was 2019. 2019. Okay, okay, sorry. It's irrelevant. 
it was 2019, and Jeremiah and I were celebrating our anniversary, and my speech today is really tough. Like, I'm having a hard time speaking words today. Just What's a quick about? note. Do you, want, do you want to take a break and talk about that? No, I don't. Is it just because it's Monday? Maybe. I'm really struggling. Um. Anyways, so we decided, okay, our living is going to concerts, and playing live music and so we get to see an opener or a headliner before or after us at a show like all the time like we're usually playing our average before pandemic was around 75 shows a year that meant we got to see almost 75 different artists every year you know what i mean so we're like you know what you and i both love comedy why don't we pay good like why don't we actually because we're such tightwads and not super wealthy so (laughs) we don't typically go out and buy expensive tickets to things but these actually weren't that bad but we were like you know what middle ditch and schwartz are coming through and i remember the promo photo was of them in a theater yep and it was hilarious and awesome and we were like we have to go see them they're doing an improv comedy tour and they're coming to atlanta at the was it the tabernacle it was at the Tabernacle. And we were like, let's make a freaking night out of it. And that was a night of so, great joy. Yes. That was the longest <laughs> introduction to uh, Middle Eastern Swords. Babe, no, I was no, trying no. to tell the story of how you and I went. No, I love that. So I've I'd been listening to, like, I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts, a lot of, like, famous comedians talking. And they all mention Middle Ditch and Schwartz, like from like 2013 until now. Wait, really? Yeah, they've been. Wait, they meant they've been. A that's duo how I for knew about long? them. Yeah, that's how I knew about them. They've been touring as a duo, I think, for 10 years. Oh my gosh! Yes, and like they were really popular in LA and in like comedy circles. I had no idea it was that long. Yes, and. I, you know, when Parks and Rec came out, everybody loved John Ralphio. And then when Silicon Valley came out and those Verizon wireless commercials came out, everybody liked Thomas Middleditch. Right. And everybody's like, by the way, you know they have a killer comedy duo that they do. And then on Netflix of this year, was it a pandemic release? I can't remember. I think I, so. I think so. I think but so. Maybe not. Maybe a little bit earlier. But Middleditch and Swartz released three stand-up specials on Netflix. And if you haven't, if you haven't seen them, basically they walk out on stage and they say, hi, I'm Middle Ditch. I'm Swartz. We're going to do an hour improv comedy. It's an hour long, long form improv narrative Mm -hmm. based on a couple of questions we asked someone. Mm -hmm. So they asked someone from the audience, hey, what's something you're excited about? And then they spend an hour building a story in real time in front of you. Yeah. And seeing it live last year. I just left one very filled up creatively, just seeing these two people be masters at their craft and also just in awe that someone could carry on an hour story that way and keep the audience entertained from start to finish. Yep. It was, we had good seats too. We were pretty close. We had good seats. That's a cool room. Yeah. We had, I'd never been to the tabernacle. I hadn't either. I think it's a renovated church. I think, I think maybe that's I think I, so. I, maybe that's yeah. where the name came from. I don't know. Yeah, but it. Do you want me to go ahead and reenact the story <laughs> that they did? No. So every time 
So it's, it's helpful that like they have the Netflix specials for this one instance because now we can say, oh, just go watch the Netflix special. But yes, we because were tr- here's the thing. Wait, no, we got, wh- no, babe, really quick. I love you. Whenever we left that, we told everyone that we went to go see it. And then whenever the Netflix special came out, they're like, oh, have you ever heard of Middle Ditch and George? And I'm like, we literally told you about this. But whenever we were trying to sell it to people before then, you would always try to describe one of the moments when we saw them. And we learned instantly that reciting improv comedy is never funny unless you were the comedians. Yeah. But you tried, God bless your heart, you gave it it. at least 10 attempts. Because here's the thing. If I have a joke that's funny to me, I really want it to be funny to everyone else. So I will try until I've learned a good five times that it just isn't working. And this time it took five extra times. Because I think it's going to work in a different way. But I also think that the more I said it, the more, what's the opposite of hype I got from you? And you would preface it with, yes, thank you. And you would preface it with our people. Like I would go to say it and you're like, oh, this isn't going to be good. And so then you like set the tone and then there's an expectation that was super low for my ability to make people LOL. And that really bothered me. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when you're at a party and someone like, you're like, oh my gosh, have you ever heard John Mulaney? He has this one joke and then they tell you the joke and it's right. not funny. Okay. And somewhere John Mulaney is like, you totally butchered the punchline. Can I tell you really quick though? Go ahead. That anytime you go to tell a story, do I ever say, hold on everyone, this is going to suck? <laughs> no. How many stories no, do I, I have? I let you shine. How many stories do I have that, that I've said 10 times with no laughter whatsoever? Learning. And I've said, hey, babe, like no one, no one like, like I'm, and I'm trying to protect you because it's always like it's always like, no, uh, no, I promise it's funny. I didn't do it justice, but I promise. But it's like, funny. I don't care. Sometimes I just need to say it. OK, well, listen, I then I, I, don't do that I to apologize you. to you. Thank you. That I'm trying to protect your, um, I guess, ego. because I'm, I'm not I'm not a comedian. I don't care. If I told a story 10 times with no laughter, I would I would feel bad. No. And I'm projecting my feelings onto well, you. Well, I don't feel that shame that you do. And, and that's great. And so just let me tell it. Okay. So I, I, I would like my to delivery, formally apologize thank you. for stepping on your toes listen when to me. you deserve to bomb as much as you want to bomb. I do. And sometimes my delivery will get better with time. So... How much more time do you need with this one specific instance? It's over. That one's already over for me. Because I've told everyone I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you. I've seen it's you. It's over. Well, what's funny is we saw my parents at 4th of July, and it's been a minute since we've and seen them. And you reamed me for it. I didn't ream you. Yes, you did. But I saw the twinkle in your eye of, finally, it's going to work. And then you went to tell a really dumb story after me. <laughs> Easy. But you know what's tough also? This is why I'm salty as well. Because... You're talking crystal clear now. <laughs> what? Because you were saying you had trouble speaking earlier. Yeah, I'm agitated. Like, if I haven't... An- an event happened to me, like say I find a porcelain frog on the side of the road and think it's real. You'll take that and post it on your social as if it's like your frog. And I'll be like, yeah, you can have that, whatever. But like, you better believe I'm going to try to get the LOL in person. What do you mean you can have that? That story happened to both of us. I was there. I, I was the one that found the frog. Yes, I agree. And then now you've told the whole internet, so if I ever try to make a joke about it, it's gone. 
No, that's not so even true. So I guess what I'm trying to say... I'm allowed is perspective. That I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I like making people laugh because I've tried to do it since I was a kid. And you're great at it. And I am a little bit mad that you've taken some of my stories from me. There, I said it. I did not take your story from you. You took it. I was also a part of that story. Half of that story was mine. Mm-hmm. And I told my side of that story. I would argue that half of the story was the frogs. Okay, so you took you my You were just half- a bystander in this story. I just I just hate how much I'm getting attacked <laughs> right now. But that's okay. I will die on my hill of resharing things that aren't funny. At what point does a story become mine also? Because mm, if it if is it just cuz you, find you saw the metaphorical the frog? frog? Yeah, yeah. So if if I find a porcelain frog, that story's mine? Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me think. Okay. Let me think. Let me think. No, go ahead. So like only you can tell our you. wedding story. No. See, that's, I'm just trying to find the line, you know what I mean? Right. Maybe you, that you story of like whenever the squirrel ran down to the end of the mimosa tree and it touched the ground and it flung back up. Right. You'd, so you'd how about the time? a part of that. We were in Treeport, Louisiana. Yes. yes. And we walked in and they said, hey, just so you know, you're staying in this guest room. We'd never met this dude before. And he said, there's a squirrel in your bathroom. Yeah. And then Whose I. Whose story is that? That's ex- your story. Then why do I hear you telling that story? I tell it with you. There's a difference. How? Have I ever posted it on social media? I don't know. I'm, Here I go. I'm about to post up about Ziggy. So what about social media? I don't know, babe. I'm actually like kind of like this is kind of not serious. Like because if I really cared about this, like I would be worried about our relationship. Mm, that's fair. And I'm not super worried. I was trying to make a bit out of this, mm. and um, Feels I thought very it'd bitty. I thought it'd be a <laughs> don't say that. Okay. I thought it'd be appropriate for the subject matter at hand. Yeah. Like a little improv. Uh, go ahead though. We can continue with what you were talking about. No, Netflix I just, specials. Yeah, watch it, all of them. Watch all of them. It's it's refreshing. I, I'm a big in quarantine. One of my like one of my mos is I'm not in a place where I can handle depressing content. Yeah, because everything is so depressing. Yeah, I'm kind of there too. Like I don't. I I said I'm gonna watch Breaking Bad for the first time, Bad and idea. I started at the beginning of pandemic, and I was like, what am I doing? No, I am plenty bummed out enough. And that show is such a bummer show. Right. So if you want something that is designed to make you feel joy. It's fun with a few people. It's fun with a few people. It's impressive. And it's there's no stakes in it. Yeah. I would I would recommend if you want to take this advice or not, whatever. There's three different specials and I would recommend watching them on three different occasions. Yeah, break them up because each one of them is an hour long. Because I feel like you can really like appreciate it one at a time. Yeah, and they're also rewatchable. I've watched them all. Have of, you? I've watched all of them at least twice. One of them I watched three times. Which one? I I really really like the one where uh, they do. They're auditioning for SN. One of them is auditioning for SNL. Oh, the last one. The last one. I really like that one. Okay. But they they are just. Really great, and they're each of them are having killer careers right now. Like uh, Sh- Benjamin Schwartz or Ben Schwartz, I don't know yeah, why I said Benjamin. Did you like just I know him, say? he's the voice of Sonic. 
he's the vo- he does a big voice actor. He does like the uh, the Mighty Ducks. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, and he was in he's in that Space Force show. We didn't we couldn't really get into it. We wanted to because we love Steve Carell so much. But he was in that show, and then Thomas Middleditch was in the new Godzilla movie, and oh, he's wow. like he's been an extra in a ton of stuff. But this is to me like when you see someone and you're like, oh my gosh, they were made to do this. They must love doing this. Can you imagine must, the morning yeah. after whenever they're just like laughing about wh- what they did the night before? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I imagine that's so fun to just like I talk wish, about. I wish I there like was to, more outlets for improv comedy. Here, really quick though, I would, I would love to be a fly on the wall for the conversation that they have after the show. Yeah, of course. That'd be really cool. Um, improv comedy is such a man. It's an amazing thing. What is I, w- I wish there were more outlets for it because it's either yeah, I want to it's either it. SNL or it's Middle Ditch Sports. We've seen a group, a couple of groups live in LA before. Yeah, but I mean, it's just I mean, there's like it local was like improv. friends of friends. Yeah, but that's awesome. Yeah, no, I of course I got so much joy out of it. I this. just wish there was more ways to enjoy it on a on a more massive scale, so that way it could like you know there's like a place for it. Yeah, because. It it worked just as well on Netflix as it does when, as it did when we were there. Yeah. Like it was a really great it was a really great time both live and at Netflix. So, yep. Middle just works. Big fans, highly recommend. Big fans. Those two fellas. Yep. Okay. Can we talk we about? Gotta, we got to talk about Zelda. Can we talk about Zelda? Zelda. I wish I knew the theme song because I'd sing it. I don't. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have a ton to say about this. No, no. And I don't want to spend the last part of this podcast talking about something that you have no stake in. Well, that's kind of what we've picked, though. (laughs) No, no. because when I think about Zelda, it makes me feel like a kid. You think about me? Oh, okay. No, no. I don't think about you. Exactly. I think think about feeling like a kid. So I'll give us a brief background on why I want to talk about Zelda, like, for right now. And then just kind of, like, how... uh, it is weird that you chose this. Well, I'm here for it. Well, so I just don't have much to contribute. No, no, you super do. So I have I knew at the beginning of quarantine that I would end up with a switch at some point. I didn't know how I'd I would end up with one. You thought I got you one for your birthday. I thought you got me one for my birthday, but instead you pulled up totally baller move and you got me a Greer Lightspeed overdrive pedal, which was I, like Oh, that's Christmas, yeah, because you saw the present under the tree and I think for like a month you were like Oh, for sure, that's a switch. And I was bummed because I was like, I don't want to switch. Yeah, and then it, I had two packages. I had the light speed, and then on top I had like a baby notebook. Yes, and you thought that that was switch, perfectly sized to be the same it box. Looked, it looked and like a, a, a Nintendo Switch and a game. Oh, exactly. But that's what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I opened the notebook, and I was like, Oh, I have no idea what you got me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, Oh, cool. Yeah. So. Then the pandemic happened, and I've realized that, like, I feel like I have confused productivity with worthiness. That sounds, like, way too heady and weird, but I you've feel... Con- hold on, say it again. You've confused productivity with your worth? Yes. Okay. In that... I, I 100% relate to that. Yeah. So, in that, I feel like... And those days I get super bummed because I'm not being productive enough. Yep. It makes me realize I'm only 
trying to be productive because I feel like I'm supposed to be productive, not yeah. because there's something I'm trying to produce. No, I know. It's like, and it's, can I say, especially right now, because my friend pointed out, like, because I was feeling the guilt of not working hard enough right now. And my friend was like, well, all, a lot of your friends are going back to school, like teaching, right? whatever. And so do we have you a lot just, of friends that are teachers and they're all going back this week. Yeah. A lot of friends in the school system. And she's like, or you're probably just feeling the guilt because everyone else is like kind of going back to work. And you think that you have to go back to like some to doing a lot of work, but that's not necessarily true. Cause you've been working in the summer and yeah. So anyways. Yeah. And another thing is like the thing that I really love being productive quote with it, we don't get to do right now. Yeah. Cause like I love booking our shows. I love planning the shows and getting on the road. Like I love that. And that's why last week felt so great is because it felt similar to that. Yeah. And it just, I feel like we've been programmed. Maybe it's as freelance, you know, gig workers or whatever, but I feel like it's, it's a thing where like, if, if it's 10 AM and you're not already like coming up with something to be doing, you're lazy. Hmm. And I realized that was a big part of why I've been struggling mentally is that like I'm giving myself an impossible pressure because there's no, there's nothing I'm late for. There's no boss telling me, Hey, you need to be doing that. It's just, I'm giving myself a guilt trip because I'm, I feel uncomfortable that there's no end in sight to this pandemic. And I think maybe if I'm productive enough, I'll outsmart it. Because I think we've talked about this before at the beginning of all this. It felt like we were all on a little bit of a vacation yeah. or a staycation. And um, now the world is projecting um, like going back to like working really hard right now, even mm. students. Yes. So it feels hard to to be we Our life looks the same as it did at the beginning. For the most part, it looks the same as it did the beginning of pandemic. So we're like, oh, crap. Are we missing something? Did we miss the boat for for how to work in a pandemic or what happened to us. Right. So, okay, Zelda. So, I always said at the beginning, I was making jokes, like, if I got a Nintendo Switch, my productivity would be out the window. You go, you joke, you would joke every day, just, just like, let me go to Target and get a Switch. Yes. Yeah. But, and I would always be like, I don't need to get one because it would be, it would be detrimental to my productivity. And that's what I was, I was like, oh, my productivity would suffer, my productivity. Yeah. Realizing that productivity is not the issue. The issue is giving yourself permission to just enjoy yourself. Yeah. Because productivity is this like lie that we've been told. Like you are worth something if you produce something. Yep. And when I think of I like Brene Brown has this, I, I don't know if it's a theory or whatever she calls it, but she talked about one of the, one of the determining factors in if someone is experiencing wholeheartedness is if they have an element of play in their lives. Yeah. And for you and I, our play thing became our job. So it stopped being the thing that we did for play. Mm. It started being the thing that we did to pay rent. Well, just to be totally transparent and honest, I'm- violence started making me money at like a younger age than I ever had planned. Sure. And so I don't, I think it stopped being play kind of early for me. That is, I mean, same though. Yeah. Like, yeah. so for me in college, that shift started happening where it stopped being, cause that's whenever I went to music school and it kind of like became like, Hey, spend eight hours in a practice room, like play scales until your fingers bleed, whatever. Right, right, right. 
I just pictured fingers bleeding. Oh, okay. Sorry. Weird. But I realized that like I when I read that, I felt so convicted because I was like, I don't have a play thing. Because like I love writing songs. I love playing yeah. guitar. But every time I do it, even reading a book, I feel this overwhelming pressure that this has to be for something. Hmm. Like when I read a book, it it never doesn't feel like homework. Yeah. I never read for enjoyment because I'm like, oh, I'm supposed to be getting inspired to write from mm. this. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about like, what does play look like for me? And since I was a kid, the one thing I always loved and never got tired of was playing Zelda. Okay. It was this weird thing where I would, I would start a game, I would put on music and I would just feel like a kid, even whenever I was in college and whatever. So my mom, for whatever reason, got a switch light at like an impulse buy before paying the difference between that and a switch, a Nintendo switch. You can plug up to your TV. And a light, light is just it's portable. just it's just a handheld. What it's happened like, to the good old Game Boy? It's it feels kind of Game Boy esque. I had a Game Boy as a kid and I loved it. Do you remember the little squiggly light attachment? The light attachment, like a book reader. It was like a nightlight for your Game Boy. Yeah, I would put that. I have a picture of me in the fifth grade playing it with the little the little light, and I had a little cat Sunny that would sit in my lap and watch me play my Game Boy and also mess with the light. It was adorable. Precious. I'd, yeah, I just remember my haircut back then. Well, so my mom gets this Nintendo Switch Lite. She hasn't even turned it on. Like, she has no idea why she got it. She was just like, I don't know. I'll just get this. The one game she has is Zelda. And she is like, hey, do you want me to mail you this? And it, she said that at the beginning of pandemic because now you cannot get them. Because, like, why? Because Nintendo's sales have gone up 400%. Oh, my God. Are you joking? No, 428% since the pandemic started. <gasps> so they can't get, like, switches are going on is, sale for, like, $700. That is insane to me. Insane. Yeah. So she got one before everything happened. And she was just like, yeah, I don't know. It's like the color of your old VW bug. And that was the pitch she made to me. She was like, think, it's the color of your old car. Babe, do you think she knew you wanted it and she got it for you? My mom is so kind. That that is very likely that that could have what been. What are the, the case. odds that she got the color of your one of your? Is that your first car? No, it was my second. Your car. second car. What are the odds that she got the color of your second car, and the exact game that you love the most? Yeah, I don't think she's doing that for her. But here's the problem: it doesn't work. Yes. Are you gonna take it to a shop like our friend suge- suggested? I think I'm gonna do that as soon as we end this podcast. Oh my gosh! Actually, we have a date to clean the bathroom together after this podcast. So I think I'm going to cancel our date. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, but it's it's really funny, and it feels very pandemic esque in that whenever I plugged up the game, it only works for like ten minutes, and then it stops and says it can't read the game. Mm. And that feels like kind of the way this year has been, <laughs> where it's like, technically it works, but it's not the way you hoped it would. Yeah, sorry, babe. No, but it's been, I don't know. I, the reason I want to talk about Zelda is because I wanted to talk more about this false sense of worthiness that I've been experiencing and how Zelda kind of like is the manifestation of just kind of like surrendering that, of just being like, you know what, let's just enjoy an evening playing this game for no other reason than it just brings you a little bit of joy. Yeah. Because I just don't, I just don't give myself that permission enough. Yeah. Do you have something like that that you do that you just like love besides doing a face mask and watching Shit's Creek? No, I love that. Uh, that I give myself like a hard time for? No, no. Just something that like is your play thing. 
Mm. Would maybe, you say cooking? Maybe cooking. I, I, I know you so well. Yeah. It's a very convenient play thing because I love it. You know, and yeah. it's necessary. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I I don't know what else. I, You know what gets me excited whenever I think about it is like I would love to have an outlet for like painting. Oh, weird. Because I get, because it's like really peaceful for me. Even though I'm like, and I'm not just saying this, like I'm really terrible at it, but I think it's just the act of like making something that's tangible and like, like something, creating something from nothing. Yeah. And it's like literally changing before your eyes. I think it's just really cool. I um thought about maybe like painting something this week, but it's weird. Cause I'm always like, where's this going to go? Like, what am I going to do with it? So for a while in high school, I painted thank you cards. Like I got like a stack of like blank thank you cards and I did a cartoon burger on some of them. Mm. And then I did like this weird looking tree on the other ones. And I was just like so proud of those because I was like, Oh, I'm actually like using them. (laughs) And then my signature on the back was my initials. I put ER in like, and I would dip the paint, the end of the paintbrush and dot out my initials so it would be like er like dotted and i thought i was like so clever for coming up with like flipping the brush over to get the perfect dot Mm. that was so cool one time i i won a third place in a art contest don't yeah 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 wait what no don't what i mean i know what you're talking about have you ever seen the cat that won um yeah it was a cat in a barn (laughs) but the reason i think i came home with the rhythm with the ribbon i think i was like did you come home with the rhythm, babe? <laughs> came home with the rhythm. <laughs> That's uh, good. Came home with the rhythm. Uh, is that in my barn, True. it was storming. And I think the lightning bolt behind the kitty. Oh, my gosh. I think that's what sealed the deal. You don't come home with a ribbon with so the rhythm. your cat was about to die? No. My cat was outside in a storm, weathering the storm. Oh, did he have, like, kind of wet hair? No, I couldn't draw, I couldn't draw hair. He's a very, he was a very boxy <laughs> cat. But I was in the first grade, so like I wasn't, I didn't have a ton of competition. But that was the only time I've ever gotten a ribbon for my art. Yeah, I remember coloring contests in elementary school, and basically whoever was like the neatest, like got basically whoever could stay in the lines the best. Or like, oh, this person did a bold colored pencil on the outside, and then a light shade on the inside. I also remember whenever I was super, I had really bad writer's block. Yeah, and. I watched this David Bowie interview and he says, whenever I have writer's block, I go paint and it helps like open up my creative brain in a different way. So I was, I painted a very awful, terrible, it was like a city built on piano keys. A lot going on in that construction paper. And I could tell as it was happening, wow, I look like a demented child trying to paint something. Oh no. And it's still on our refrigerator because you put it on our refrigerator. I know. I thought it was sweet. You were you were I, very kind. You're so supportive. Yeah, I know. The idea of like coloring and stuff is really any type of like color on paper is very satisfying for me. You definitely like I went got, through one of those phases where you did those adult coloring books. I did. I enjoyed those. You loved them. And um, when they came out with the multicultural crayon shades, I got markers, crayons, and colored pencils of those. Yeah. And I just tested them out i haven't really done anything with them but yeah i i think i'd like to get into that because i also did there's this like draw together camp on instagram 
with the illustrator from the book Fat, Salt, Acid, Heat. Which is like your favorite book. Which is like my favorite book. I even, but the illustrations were so beautiful that I even bought a 20 pack uh, print of some illustrations from that book because I just thought they were so beautiful. And, but Wendy Mack, the illustrator, was doing a draw together virtual camp for kids or anyone. It was mostly for kids though, and I tuned in a couple of times and I really, really enjoyed it. Because I just had no expectation of myself and her language and her teaching was so like forgiving and free. Like, oh, did you make a whoopsie? Like, (laughs) maybe we should. But she's like, you can draw with whatever you want. A pencil, uh, a pen. Like, she was very like, who cares if you quote mess up? Or she she didn't even really reference messing up, which is really healthy for me. Yeah. And one of the things I liked about you doing the draw together thing is that every every night you and I go, hey, what's your day look like tomorrow? It's like the <laughs> beginning of us planning the day. Yeah. And I would say, well, I, I've got to work out at 9. I got this at 12. I got this, blah, blah. Yeah. And you would say, well, draw together's at noon, so don't plan anything around then. And I like that because you were saying, hey, this is important to me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not like I'm making time in my day to do this. Yeah. And that's something that I think is really important is that like if you – you can dismiss having a good time mm-hmm. for the same reasons we were talking about earlier about how like we have to be productive or whatever. But if you make time for it, you'll just be a happier person. Oh, and I just realized another play thing for me is probably um, getting new plants. Yeah, I hate that one. Okay. So moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I hope Zelda works longer than 10 minutes tonight. Uh, it, you're going to go to the store. Yeah, while you're cleaning the bathroom? No. What'd you say? What'd you say? I, could, I can't hear what? you. What? No, no, I'm a big, I'm, I'm very pro getting you getting plants for your birthday. You got like a hilarious amount of plants. You brought them home. I don't, I just don't get it. And I don't have to. Two of them are still alive. I don't have to understand why you like it. I don't understand why you give them our Berkey filtered water. Some of them like it. Do they tell you? That's what I don't understand. I know of one of my plants that specifically says no tap water. It's like, how do we have bougie and dead plants? That's what I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't understand how we have both of those things. Uh, to your, to your note on that, yeah, our porch balcony thingy does not have any shade, and I seared a good tw- twenty plants this summer. I mean, you cooked them. Cooked them. I mean, it's, that, that it, poor basil it's like, was like, bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fried basil out there. <laughs> it's tough. Also, have you noticed that the dill? Has now shot up a good two feet, one little scraggly thing, and it has like a weird flower at the end of it. No, not sure I'm not, it's dill I'm not really paying attention to your dill. Like I'm not, mm. I'm not taking note. Sorry, babe. I got the dill for you because you were like, this would be fun to have. I, if I said this could be fun to have, I think yeah. I was saying that to get us out of there. Yes, because I was so indecisive, and you kept watching me, and like every time I look at you because it was my birthday, you would like force a smile of like. <laughs> yeah, you and I. I love the way we go through a grocery store. store so different. It's so different because like then and, and that's what it felt like in the plant store because yeah. I was like I gave the whole store a once over in 15. Yeah. And by the time I was done, you were still at the first little batch of plant and you were touching all of So like when we go to the grocery store, we only go on the outside aisle typically. And I go through the store, I get everything on my side of the list, and I'm back. And I'm like, wow, we're done. That was so fast. And you're still at the cucumbers. 
And I just like... You have to admit, lately we've really fell into a rhythm, though. Yeah, rhythm of you being here, I go get the groceries, and then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> but you're like, if, like, you're squeezing all the squash, and I'm like, that's not on our list. And you're like, no, I'm just seeing what's out there. And yeah, because like, you, you got to see what's seasonal. You got to take advantage of the season. <sighs> I'm not trying no one's to trying take advantage. Squ- no one's trying to buy butternut in August. Oh, my gosh. Anyways. Okay, let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> okay. Okay, so... Zelda. Hands in the air. Middle Ditch Schwartz. Okay. Paul Simon, one of many. Yeah. Like, definitely. We're going to have more of that coming up. Oh, we have to, you have to tell me what you're super into right now. The thing I'm into right now. Okay. Can I be honest with you? That pajama set that I got from Misguided, I'm like super excited about. Is that weird? I, if you gave me, if you gave me a $20 gift card to any store, the yeah. last thing I would even look at is sleepwear. I, most of them, I'm like, oh, I didn't know they had made sleepwear. <laughs> Here's the thing. And that's the first thing you go to. I think it's considered loungewear because what's, here's the problem. Some, one time someone told me, they were like, they asked, they were like, what's something you buy or what's something that you pack too much of on tour? Where you're like, I don't need that. Pack and buy too much of is always like loungewear. And what's happened in this pandemic is that now all these companies are making those items because everyone's staying home. Yeah. And so... Oh my goodness, my desire to just purchase online right now is very strong. So I saw this really cute little tie-dye biker shorts and long t-shirt set and I really it was only like $11 and I did not know I was buying from the UK at the time. So it did take a few weeks, but it was worth it. I felt it I tried it on and granted we were in the middle of a fight whenever I tried it on, but I was like, "Babe, look what I got." And you were like, "Don't love it." And then an hour later, you were like, oh, it's actually like really cute on you. Yeah. What are your thoughts now? My thoughts are, it's way better than the old lady pajamas you used to wear. You, I have one pair of very... My grandmother has the same pair. Elderly looking pajamas. Yes, my grandmother has the same pair. I got them because they were very soft, and I regret getting them because I spent way too much money on them. You spent like $100... On pajamas that look like <laughs> flabby pant, it looks like a flabby pantsuit. Here's my thing: we say, but it's striped like a candy stop cane. Stop it! <laughs> and it's buttoned, and it's too loose, and I, it's too big. It and looks like you're going to like a job interview for like also Santa's short elves. Sleeved. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense. It's pretty terrible. Um, I remember it, it whenever like you Christmas bought it and you tried like it on, I was like, are we already at this stage of marriage where we've Babe. just given up on each other? That's what it, fa- it is, it is. That's I'm, really ugly to say. I know. That's ugly to say. But you also say when you don't like clothes that I wear. But I don't say, have you given up in our marriage? That the, phrase is very offensive. Those pajamas were nappy. Working. No, okay. they were <laughs> not. A, they were so awful. Babe, stop. I regret getting them. Because they're actually not that comfortable to sleep in, even though ma- the material's very soft. I don't like sleeping in pants. I get claustrophobic, and the sheets and I d- just get wrapped up in each other, and it's a problem. I don't understand but, the point of loungewear. Okay, listen, those were pajamas, though. Hold on a second. So, but here's the thing. Um, I got those ridiculously expensive pajamas because whenever we're on the road, we stay with a lot of friends, and I want to be able to, like wear my pajamas if everyone changes into theirs and like look appropriate so like i i don't want to like be like embarrassed to be walking around on like a too inappropriate thing so i'm trying to, that's what i was trying to do loungewear here's here's my argument for loungewear are you ready 
it's what you're craving right now because you got so hot in the middle of this episode that you took your pants off <laughs> and your shirt off. So what was happening is your body is telling you, I need loungewear, Jeremiah. Because yeah, yeah. My body I, is saying, you need baggy, heavy cotton. That's not what that's loungewear is. That's not fit is. to go outside. That is what loungewear is. Baggy, heavy cotton. No. Okay. It you, just you so sold happens me. to Let be what mine is loungewear. right now. Stop it. You know that long hoodie that I have in two different colors that I convinced Hannah to get? Yes. My least favorite article of clothing you have? Thank Continue. you. I love it with leggings and a good denim. It's also my other stipulation for loungewear is can you put a denim jacket over it and go to the grocery store in it? Yes or no. Then you buy it. <laughs> if it's yes or no. But just if it's yes. Or regardless. If it's <laughs> just, just no. <laughs> just no going in. Can't wear denim, still buying it. But I'm just telling you right now, though, you're, you don't know this, but your body is screaming for loungewear right in this moment. Okay, this you're right. This outfit that I have on right now, what would you consider this? Uh, nappy. No, <gasps> so, no, no. Stop using that word. I know. I just, I like this is the, an actual, it rolls off the tongue. What do you think? This is an actual outfit. That is not loungewear. It is not, but it has an, the essence of loungewear in terms of comfort. This argument is going off the rails. I vote loungewear forever. Okay. Well then let's go look up some loungewear for me. I'm willing to make the purchase. You're you know right. That new romper that I now have in two colors from old Navy. Mm hmm. It's like a workout romper. Yep. That to me is loungewear. That's super good. I love that. Okay. Well, noodles would love noodles would love a good tank just to wear around the house. <laughs> can you picture her in a spaghetti strap tank? I can I can picture her everything because she's perfect. Yeah. She's wrecked our studio room though. Yes, yeah, she she's really been has. tearing up a ball. I don't know if you heard her squeaking throughout this, but she's been tearing up a ball. Um. The thing I'm super into is uh, 35 millimeter film. We've been we got a new camera from I think 91. You ask to buy things a lot, and I get agitated. You're the one trying no, no, to listen, get me to do loungewear. No, I'm being sweet, babe. Yeah, that's the get, way to start being sweet. I get agitated by it, but that's one of the purchases that I'm like really happy about that you made. Yeah, the thing I like about 35 millimeter camera is that I realize that like when you take a selfie, the subject usually turns into, hey, what do I look like right now? And you start to like, you're not focused on how good the picture is and you're not focused on... In the moment. Yeah, you're not like present. You're not in the moment. You're focused on like, how am I being perceived in this picture? Exactly. But when it's 35 millimeter film, you have to remove yourself from it for long enough yep. to where it's like, oh, wow, I'm like, that is a cool picture. Like, I don't care about how I look. I love that. That's why I started... Even on my phone, if I take a picture, I try not to look at it for a few days. Yeah, and that this forces you to do that. Because it takes you right out of that moment. Because one of the things I hate is whenever you're taking pictures with someone, and we all do it. I'm not calling anyone out for doing this. We all do this. Yeah. Like, if we take a selfie and you look at it and you're like, actually, can you retake it? I want to, like, move my arms. Like, Yeah, that's such a bummer. Yeah, I hate I hate that, that moment. I challenge everyone to a practice. Instead of that urge to do that, I would wait a week and then look at it and see if you are as critical as you would have been that moment. Yeah. And I don't think you would be. Also, there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah, because it's, like it's film. And we have a we have friends that have a film lab in Nashville. It's called Southbound Film. And yeah, they do a great, great job. And it's just a really cool, it's like a fun little hobby that I have that brings me joy. And just the same thing, same thing as Zelda. It's just like something that I have that like just, it. I'm not any good at it. It's a little point and shoot. But every time I get 
film back, it feels like Christmas. It just that feels, feels like really, a play thing for you. Yeah, it's really fun. I really like it. I look forward to sending it off and getting it back. It just it just fills me up. So yeah. Okay, I love you. Love you too, babe.